Welcome to Real Life Moms. I'm your host, Lisa Foster. And Real Life Moms is a podcast that's all about moms having real conversations, sharing resources, and telling their inspiring stories. Our mission is to connect moms by talking about these topics that parents deal with every day and to continue these conversations in our Real Life Moms Facebook group, where we would love for you to become part of our community. And in this week's episode, we are going to discuss a really important topic, and that is postpartum depression. I invited Megan Gordon Shorman, mother of two adorable children and author of Babies Are the Worst, a memoir about motherhood, PPD, and beyond, to come share her story about postpartum depression. Hi, Megan. Welcome to Real Life Moms, and thank you for coming on the show and sharing your story with us about your experience with postpartum depression, which kind of led you on a journey to write your book, right? Babies Are the Worst, a memoir about motherhood, PPD, and beyond. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. I have to ask, I like, I, I, I know we're going to talk and really get into this topic, but but I, I got to know, we have to talk about that beyond eventually because <laughs> I'm like dying to know what happens next. So I'm going to ask you, remind me to ask you that later. <laughs> All right, I, I love that you're here to talk about postpartum depression because what I realized coming on and just really thinking about this tonight and talking to you was I really know very, very little about postpartum depression. You know, it's like, I think as a parent, you know about it. And I think I, you know, I think of sadness, but it sounds like there's so much more. Oh my gosh. Well, it sounds like you're a lot like me (laughs) because (laughs) I knew nothing either, um, which is why it took me nearly a year before I realized what was going on with me. Like, I just thought, oh, motherhood is not good. <laughs> like, no one told me <laughs> that this is the worst thing, not the best thing. Like, everyone's been lying to me, maybe to like further the species, but otherwise, like, just to populate the universe, right? That's what it was for. <laughs> it was a great lie that has been told through the generations just so that we could keep people alive. You have a personal journey on this and a personal story. I know it took you a year, but really what, you know, can you tell us a little bit about kind of what was going on um, in that, those initial stages? Yeah. So it's interesting. I have always wanted to be a mom my whole life. Like I just assumed that's what I was going to be the very best at. Um, I always worked with kids. I always, you know, I was a camp counselor, I was a babysitter. My sister's nine years younger, so I felt like I helped raise her. And, you know, <laughs> I, I had a lot of hubris going into it. Um, I also never really felt any mental health issues. I actually had a friend reach out to me and she's like, while I was pregnant with my son, and she said, you know, you should really look into postpartum depression. I didn't know much about it. And I wish that I had known because I had it. And I was like, oh, gosh, well, I'm so sorry you went through that. And in my head, I'm thinking, not going to happen to me. I just mm-hmm. felt totally oblivious. So when my son came along, I had a pretty traumatic birth, uh, an unexpected C-section. I was pushing, not 
you know, the labor itself was over 24 hours, but the actual pushing took place over a span of seven hours, which wow. typically four is the max. They don't usually let you go past four, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't I, even push at all. I was like, no, just I'll take that C-section when the doctor came in. He's like, well, oh, nothing's wow. progressing. Do you want a C-section? I'm like, yeah, let's take one of those. I'll take oh, one of those. Wow. So I didn't even push at all. So I can't even imagine four or seven hours. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. I don't recommend it. It's no, <laughs> not, a, not a good thing. Um, so the initial like entry into motherhood, I just was completely spent, you know, and I was traumatized. I was traumatized. I was totally mm-hmm. like, oh, this is, I, I just pushed for seven hours and I still need a C-section. Yeah. So like, like major abdominal surgery. And so mm-hmm. my recovery is really, really tough. And that alone, I mean, how did you feel about that? Just even alone? Because I know you know, I didn't mind a C-section because honestly, I didn't want to have to push. I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> that seems like way too much work for me. Yeah, um, yeah. But there are people who really, really, that is so important in their birth process to yeah. give birth. And, and that alone can be very traumatizing. You know, do you feel like that played a little part in it or not really? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. I think that I felt like a failure in a lot of ways. Like I really wanted to experience what it was like to give birth. Um, I wanted to do it like medication free. I was one of those. I thought <laughs> I'm going to experience all these things. Yeah. And like, I really, like I said, I just was really looking forward to being a mom. Yeah. And so when um, that all happened, and then I had the really laborious recovery you know the recovery was in some ways worse well especially after pushing for so long right um, exactly you're versus me where I'm just like no sign me up for the c-section there was no pushing no tearing no no damage really I was just ready to go um so I can only imagine that played a part of also just taking a longer time to recover right just overall exhaustion and then I just I was very emotional I had a lot of unexplained emotion of overwhelming sadness and that was in the first few weeks and then what was interesting to me because you said I don't know much about postpartum depression and you Mm -hmm. think about sadness that's what I was thinking too Mm -hmm. um and in the first couple weeks I dismissed any sadness I felt as baby blues because you hear you're going to experience baby blues during those first two weeks. Expect that emotional roller coaster. It's no big deal. And if it lasts beyond that, then you should be concerned. Well, it didn't last beyond that. I didn't feel sad, but I also didn't feel happy. And I didn't mm-hmm. feel much of anything. So what I describe it as like this great nothingness kind of took over me. I, I mean, I'm an 80s kid and I love the never ending story. Like that was one of my favorite mm-hmm. um, movies growing up. And you think about this, the nothing, and which was this wolf that came and just made everything disappear and not matter. And I just, mm-hmm. the imagery of that, I literally never thought about it until this very moment. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really um it's true it, for me the imagery I always sort of liken it to and I talk about it in the book is being underwater where everything's kind of muted mm-hmm. everything is a little bit slower everything um feels like you're on fire <laughs> you know like if your lungs are burning type of thing underneath everything else mm-hmm. I was drowning <laughs> yeah I was yeah drowning. you're drowning yeah yeah so I just felt a whole lot of nothing. And so it wasn't, I was picturing this like sad little rock. That's what depression is. I was picturing not loving my child. 
I loved my child. Like I loved him more than anything. In fact, I had a lot of anxiety, um, which I didn't realize was a thing. The, you know, intrusive thoughts, like wondering, oh God, something terrible is going to happen to him. Um, checking on his breathing all the time, making sure, like, what if I, I'm walking down these stairs, what if I drop him? What if I fall? What if I trip? Mm-hmm. You know, I all those type of things just constantly invading your mind and wearing you down. It's exhausting being anxious. The depression, the anxiety, it just all sort of snowballed and and metamorphosized into anger. Like that was the one emotion I truly felt never went away. I was angry at feeling like I'd been lied to. Mm -hmm. I was angry at my perception of motherhood being different than what it was. And I just, I was angry at myself. So when you say lied to, what what does that mean? Yeah, I felt like, you know, everyone said being a mother is the most wonderful thing that will happen to you. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel this overwhelming love. You're it's like unlike anything you've ever experienced. You mm-hmm. will be forever changed. That part was true. I was forever changed. <laughs> but, Not necessarily um, in the way you were thinking though, no, I think. <laughs> no, no, no. And I and I I'd like to point out because I feel like a lot of again, a lot of people dismiss what they're going through because they think, well, I don't want to harm my baby. I don't want to harm myself. I don't want to I don't not love my child. I'm not not connected. I am connected. But to me, um it started to because it went untreated and unrecognized for as long as it did, I just started again to, it became more of an anger and it became an anger at feeling like this is what's ha- my rest of my life. This is, I can't live like this, which then becomes, it doesn't matter if I'm not here anymore, mm, which yeah. then becomes, it becomes dangerous. Um, I mean, I'm clear to point out I was never actively suicidal, mm-hmm. but I did have thoughts of if I got in this car accident, like if the car went off the road, would I try to get out? Would I try to save myself? I don't, I don't know. So it's that's it's it's a scary point because I now that I'm well, now that I have received lots of treatment and talked to countless people. I mean, I've almost been a mom for ten years, so this was almost ten years ago for me. Mm-hmm. I realized how unhealthy I was and the the big lie wasn't that motherhood is wonderful. The big mm-hmm. lie was depression. Depression was the liar telling mm-hmm. me that nothing mattered. Yeah. Because everything matters. I mean it really truly does. <laughs> so um it's really scary to think that I believed the lie that depression was telling me. Yeah, that I mean, okay, that is so much more than sadness. <laughs> you know, like yes. I mean, really, I mean, just the anxiety. I mean, because I do, I'm like, oh God, I had anxiety. I think we like checked the kid every all the every time. I think we even had a machine in their bed. I'm gonna say this out loud. Yeah. Um, that like a breathing machine. <laughs> like if they uh-huh. stopped breathing, it would ding. Um like, That's so really I guess com- we had lots of anxiety. Of yeah. <laughs> um, so some of these are common, but getting to that point of just numbness and anger and really going down that path of would any would it make a difference if I my car just went off the road, right? I mean, that's a huge yeah. difference from going just being anxious. Um, yeah. Let me ask you this, because it did take about a year for you to notice or whatever. But what about people around you? Like, I mean, did your husband notice anything? Friends? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, I did a really excellent job of masking my shame. I felt a lot of shame. Um, 
I still feel it, shame and guilt uh, about how I felt. I, I think about when I have to have the conversation with my children about mommy was sick. That wasn't that I didn't love you. Mm -hmm. Right. So I didn't want anyone to think that I was sick or that I was not myself or that I didn't love my child because mm -hmm. there's that fear of are they going to try to take him away from me? Does he do they think that I'm not safe? You know, there's a mm -hmm. lot of layers to why one, we don't seek help and two, we don't say anything. Mm -hmm. So my immediate family did not notice. No. Uh, my husband knew because he was in the trenches with me. He knew how hard it was. He could he could hear me crying. But we did not know enough about depression or postpartum depression and to recognize what I was really going through. When did we, you actually name it? So what happened, it was an interesting series of events where I knew that, oh gosh, I knew something was wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like something wasn't right and I, I write about this in the book about seeing a pair of fuzzy socks mm -hmm. that I brought to the hospital with me. They were pink and they were striped and they were fuzzy and they had a little peace sign on them. And I had them in my hospital bag. And nine months after my son was born, I was cleaning out my sock drawer and I found them stuffed in the back and I physically recoiled. Mm. which I've never had that sort of reaction, but it felt like I was looking at a previous version of myself when mm -hmm. I was happy. And then I realized I wasn't happy. So that happened right around the time I had a friend and uh, a family member, both had become first time moms and they were posting all about it on social media and how it's the best thing ever. And I was like, wow, they're such liars. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why are they lying? Like, they could just post a picture. They don't have to write about being happy. I was like, well, what, what if they're not lying? Like, that a little tiny voice said, what if they're not lying? And why, if they're happy, why aren't you? Mm -hmm. So I started to recognize something was wrong. And then I, the only postpartum depression book that I knew about was Brooke Shields' book. Mm -hmm. And gosh, that, I mean, that book's almost, almost 20 years old at this point, right? Like 15... Right. It's like and down down came the rain. Or down came the rain. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. My journey with postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. And so I went to the library to check it out. And I was mortified, first of all, because I had to ask the librarian where to find it. And I had my son with me and he was a newborn. <laughs> like newborn being like, you know, not a newborn. He was an infant. He was like six or seven months old. I think when I was like, I want to read her book. Mm -hmm. So I read her book when he was like probably about seven months old. And I was like, oh, my God, I've thought all these things. And I started to like see myself reflected in her story. Mm -hmm. And then right around the, that. So that kind of like started to sink in. And then at the nine month mark, when I found those socks and I had those friends saying all these things that I was like, why don't I feel like that? I right. Like, oh, I need to talk to somebody. Ah, uh, crap. Yeah. Something's really wrong. <laughs> Something's really wrong. Which yeah. I have to ask this, like, I mean, going to the doctor for your, your, well, you know, your checks, were they, were they asking you how you were doing and you were just still like kind of faking it or? They sure weren't. They were. You, <laughs> were just faking. you are an actress, right? That's, that's by trade. That's your. Yes. So I was living yeah. in Los Angeles at the time my son was born. I was working as an actor okay. and I, um, you know, 
I well, never, good job. Well, and that's the thing. <laughs> I never thought that I I employed it in my own life until I was like, oh, I've been putting on a show. Like yeah. I have absolutely been putting on a show for everyone, including myself. Yeah. Um, because I didn't want to acknowledge what was going on with me either. So there's a lot of um there there was a lot of self denial and just thinking and protecting myself. I think for a long time I was protecting myself as well because mm-hmm. I was scary to think that I wasn't well. So the moment yeah. you actually had kind of this name for it, that you figured out what was going on, how that must have felt, how did that feel to you? Just actually knowing what was going on, this was a thing, you're not crazy. How did that <laughs> moment? Oh, gosh, it was really, really hard. Like one of the hardest things I ever did was actually pick up the phone and, and try to find somebody to talk to. Mm. Um, Like, I I mean, I, I can remember like the stress sweat, <laughs> you know, just of like, oh, my God, I got to call somebody. So like, like the first person I called was my OBGYN. She did not have any recommendations. And in fact, like the next day, I got a notification like in the mail saying that she was no longer going to be with that practice. So my doctor that I was with um, was like okay. leaving the profession. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it wasn't so, you, okay? It wasn't you. <laughs> it, 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 are you sure? I'm not so sure. <laughs> but yeah, I and then so I was like, oh, I got to go down like an insurance list. So it was really, really hard to like find who to talk to. Um, and I just had to ask, do you have any experience like wh- whatever psychologist? So first I went with psychologists because I did not think I needed medication. I just wanted someone to talk to so I could process the trauma of the birth. I thought it all goes back to the trauma of the birth. It's that first month was really, really dark and really, really hard. And if I work through what happened, then I'm going to be okay. And so I finally like called all these people and got a doctor who was like, oh, yeah, I do work with um, postpartum women. And I actually had postpartum depression, too. And I was like, okay, this is who I want to talk to. And the more we started chatting and the more we started chatting, she was like, I think you might benefit from talking to a psychiatrist and you might benefit from medication. And I was like, I think you are crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So I was not open to that idea. Um, And then I had a bit of a panic attack, an incident that happened around Christmas time that made me realize that, Oh, she knows what she's talking about. She is a professional. (laughs) Okay. Maybe I should keep this appointment. I had made an appointment with a psychiatrist. She's like, you can go to the psychiatrist. You don't have to take the medication. If right. she recommends something, you don't have to take it. It's all up to you. But I think it would be good for you to chat with her and see what her recommendation is. Yeah. Do you mind sharing your turning point with that? Mm-hmm. What was happening around Christmas time? <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. So at Christmas time, we, um, again, we were living in California and we went to my family's house in Florida for Christmas. And my cousin had her first child six months after I did. Mm-hmm. So at Christmas time, my son was about 10 months old. This was, you know, I've been seeing a, a therapist. I was letting my family know I was seeing a therapist. That was a really big deal. <laughs> Nobody yeah. I knew in my family had ever seen a therapist before. Anyway, so my cousin was at Christmas and with her four month old baby, I was terrified of her baby. I was like, what is this feeling I'm having? 
I don't remember my son being this small. I, I didn't remember my 10 month old child being four months old. And I, I recognized like a four month old baby, their fingers move in a certain alienish way, <laughs> right? Like it doesn't have much, um, they don't have much control yet. And they're just sort of moving rhythmically to their own beat, right? Mm -hmm. And it made me nervous. It made me nervous watching her baby. And again, I grew up around babies. Like I always, if there was a baby in a room, give me your baby. I'm going to take your baby. I'm going to take care of your baby. You go do something else. All my life, I've been like that. Wow. So to have that feeling upon seeing another child, a family member, I just was like, oh, something's not right. Something's not right. Something's not right. And I, um, she needed me to show her where to change the, the baby diaper. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yeah, sure. I show her where to go and we're standing there and she's changing the diaper. She gets it all done. And she's like, here, you want to hold her for a second? Like while she cleaned up everything. I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. And I tried not to freak out. And wow. when um, I, she's, she started to fuss, I was like, oh, here she goes. She wants you. <laughs> you know, like, take her back right take now. Take her back. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I just sort of, she left the room. I stayed in the room. I had to kind of gather myself. And I was like, I'm not going to cancel my appointment with the psychiatrist. Like, I don't know what is happening to me right now. I am not okay, I am not myself. Like this is not something I've ever experienced. And truly, it's nothing I've experienced since. <laughs> you know, like that was a very singular moment of realization. And it was this beautiful four month old baby who made me realize, oh, you're not okay. And I think what I'm learning right now is because obviously I, I did say I don't know much about this. Um, yeah, is that how long it is that you can be in this state because now your son's 10 months and I know you, you didn't really realize it to maybe nine months, but, but still you were having help at the time. Mm -hmm. um, you were seeing a, a psychologist, right? Um, yeah. And you were already in therapy, but you're still really dealing with a lot of these symptoms even a month or so out. And so the the timeline, you know, I, once again, postpartum depression, you're like, Oh, yeah, exactly. Like a few months, or you get the help you need, you're done. But what you're saying, actually, this is a long haul. Well, it is a long haul. And what is really, really frightening is a statistic that I learned after writing my book. And it is that the most common time for I think it's called, well, it's maternal suicide is 10 to 12 months postpartum depression. Wow. So I was right in that window and I had no idea until I was doing this research and I met someone who, um, she actually experienced postpartum psychosis. So that's a whole nother, a whole nother situation. Um, and I've learned so much from her as well, but the point is, things get really bleak because you haven't recognized what's going on with you. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of think there's, you get to that desperate point. Right. So I really, I, I am haunted by the fact that I was lucky enough to have those moments that made me realize I was not okay. Mm -hmm. If I didn't know that 
if I didn't have those moments, if I didn't have the socks, if I didn't have the family member and the friend that became mothers in November of that year, mm-hmm. and if I didn't have my cousin's daughter at Christmas that year, what if she hadn't come to Christmas? You know, mm-hmm. like they could have gone somewhere else. I don't know. I would have recognized what was going on. I would have just continued to believe the lie that depression was telling me. And and scary and scary because it could have taken you, that depression could have told you lots of lies taking you down a road that was, you yeah. know, would have been a lot worse. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, but- it's, it's very humbling and sobering and scary. And it really makes me feel for and, and has put me on this mission, right, to not only share my story, but to to talk to other people and check in like, it doesn't matter if it seems like you're okay, because I seemed very okay. Mm-hmm. But like to ask the real questions. So what are those real questions, you know, so yeah. you have, you know, because a lot of us moms are listening and what are the real questions to be checking in with new moms or just moms? Yeah, I think um, when you're talking to a new mom, I think one of the things that people often say they lead you, right? So instead of asking, how are you doing? It's, are you loving it? Aren't you just loving it? Oh my gosh, they're so cute. Cause you're kind of enamored with the baby. Right. And they're focused on the baby or, you know, how's the baby sleeping? No, no. How are you sleeping? <laughs> like, how, how are you feeling? Um, when's the last time you got a shower? Like, when's the last time you felt like yourself? Like, when's, you know, these type of things that are just really specific to the mother. I feel like a lot of times we check in on the baby and we mm-hmm. don't check in on the mom. Right out. Oh, yeah. No, that's such a good point. I remember having my baby in my hand. And when people would come to the door, there was no hello to the mom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like, hello, baby. And you're like, hi. Now, granted, did I want to give my kid to somebody to hold? Yes. You know, please take that. Maybe yeah. I was tired. Um, but at the same time, yeah. And then I remember, I think it was my mother-in-law who turned and goes, oh, we forgot to say hi to the mom. But like, in a cute way that's like, oh, wow, you're the only person to even acknowledge me at all today. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but yeah. so true. So true. So you're saying asking more to the mom, how are you? Are you sleeping? Did you shower? And that can be with texts, you know, like I know um, I had a friend that we um, both had our first our first child and then she had her second child. Um And I knew that with her first child, she had had some trouble, the same sort of, she had more of anxiety issues. So not, never diagnosed, but she knew that something was not quite right, you know? Um, So I would just literally every day, Hey, how are you feeling today? Mm -hmm. And, you know, really just every day I would send her some sort of text or some sort of meme or some sort of something to make her laugh you know like and sometimes she would never respond or I'd be or so I'd follow up you know what I mean like just sort of I feel like just checking in with the mom um, Mm -hmm. about who they are beyond being a mom I think is really helpful yeah because it's such a shift right there's that term matriance of the birth of a mother you know your child is born but a mother is born And we think about all the support we give to a newborn and all the things that they need. And as a mother, you need all that support, too. You are also newly born. Yeah, well said. Well said. 
um, <clears throat> about red red flags. Like if you're a friend and you're checking in, um, what, are there any like red flags that you wish maybe someone saw in you at the time to say, hey, I think you need to get checked now um, that, that you can point out for other parents? That's a great question. I um, So like I said, I hit it really well, right? Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I did to hide it was I stayed really busy. <laughs> I had something going all the time. So like on Mondays, I went to the movies because there's this movie place you could go to, right? On Tuesdays, we had yoga. On Wednesdays, we had, you know, it was just <laughs> like, da, 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 da. I filled my days. And I think that's a very common thing right but also like check in like why are you filling your days why, why mm -hmm. don't you have any downtime <laughs> like now it's different right now listen it's it's covid times there there's a pandemic that's still um a factor for a lot of people and i think that that's one of the scariest things coming out of this pandemic i kept thinking about all these new moms right like not having support or anywhere to go um so as far as like red flags for me, that was a red flag is like how I literally didn't give myself a moment alone mm -hmm. to be just with the child. You know, like if I was alone, that was probably not not happening because I just needed any distraction. And, but it shows up differently on everybody. Right. So right. I think that if you know to ask, like, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm OK. You know, mm -hmm. what, is, what does OK mean? Like. I don't, it's, it's hard. It's so hard. I just think that being present and being available mm -hmm. conversation, honest conversation is going to be key. Right. Right. So, and, um, and you're doing so much, I think for the cause, because, you know, writing your book and just even coming on today and all the other podcasts and things that you've been on, you know, just bringing awareness to the conversation so that people feel more comfortable just talking about it. Yeah. And, and, and I do, I do think people are talking about it more, which is such a wonderful thing. Like Meghan Markle coming out. Right. And yes. literally I, on CBS Sunday morning on Mother's Day, um, Gwyneth Paltrow was on and she was doing this little thing about how her daughter is turning 18 and the time goes really quickly. And she was saying that when her daughter was born, it was wonderful. But when her son was born, she had postpartum depression. And she just yeah. said it very blunt, you know, it was very different experience. And I turns out I had postpartum depression. I was like, oh, she's talking about it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, like having those high profile women talk about it, um, I think helps other people too just realize that, oh, I'm not the only one experiencing this. Like, oh, it's okay to talk about it. And I feel like, um, you having me on to talk about it and doing these type of shows, right. Where we all can find out that we are not alone. is such, such an important thing for mothers everywhere. Yes. Yes. Um, now you went on to have another child. So you have two kids, right? I do. Yeah. Which was <laughs> a big deal. Cause I, I was going to think... say, cause I mean, listening to this experience, I'll have to say, I don't know if I want to do round two. <laughs> So how, how does that work? How, how did that work for you? So, um, so that's kind of the beyond, right? So oh, here the beyond. Go. Is that the yes! beyond? Thank you. Yay. <laughs> you got there. Um, so the beyond is the journey of once I figured out I had postpartum depression, once I figured out my, my motherhood experience, um, and once I was well, 
I, I've always wanted a big family. I always wanted to have multiple children. And, um, when my son was born, I had such a hard, harrowing time. I thought, oh, I never want to do this again. He's going to be an only child. But once I got treatment and felt like, okay, I'm in a better place now. It was around when he was around two years old. Um, I was like, you know what? Let's do this. Let's try. And so we tried and I got pregnant and I had a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. And after that, it was not certain that I was going to be able to conceive again. Like it seemed like I wasn't ovulating and I was doing all the ovulation kits and trying to figure that all out. But, you know, spoiler alert, I did get pregnant again <laughs> in the end. So, um, and that was another thing I just never thought I would experience with my, with my son. I got pregnant first try. And yeah. so I just assumed it would be easy for me. And now having gone through my own fertility um, journey, I wouldn't call it issues. I never had to actually receive any fertility treatments and I have many friends who have gone through that that journey and it's really really I don't want to compare what I went through to theirs because that's a whole nother whole nother um thing we don't talk about enough yeah <laughs> is, I yeah um so many women have to deal with that so I don't want to minimize or I don't want to exaggerate what I went through but I did I did feel well enough to try again and we got pregnant again and the second time I got pregnant after my son was born I had a panic attack and thought what am I doing this is the dumbest thing I've ever done like why am I trying to have another baby like he is my son is potty trained now and I had a miscarriage and what if I have another miscarriage and you know like just sort of kind of spiraled and but here's the good news I had a therapist already lined up. So after my son was born, we ended up moving to Florida um, when he was about a year and a half years old. And and the first thing I did when we moved was find a psychiatrist because mm -hmm. I knew I was going to be weaning off the medication that I was on for my postpartum depression. Um, so I needed a doctor to help me through that. And then I also knew that if I ever have another child, it is a increased likelihood statistically that I would experience postpartum depression again. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I wanted to ha have all my ducks in a row. <laughs> I wanted to know that someone was there that knew my history that could help me um, navigate that. So um, I called her right away and we set up some time and she said, you know, that was the depressive mind talking about thinking about all the things that could go wrong. Mm -hmm. And um, what about asking the question, what if it goes right? Uh, what a great question. Oh, that was such a switch for me. Like, I literally had never considered it. No. <laughs> about. After what I've all gone through, I can't think about what if it goes right. So I think for so long, I had only thought about things going right. And I felt like such a far fall from that, that I was scared to think that way again. I'm happy to say that we had a plan it put into action um, about how to approach if I did experience any postpartum depression with my second child, who was a daughter. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I did not experience postpartum depression the second time around. Oh, I was wow. I was medicated though, so. Oh, okay. so you were already medicated the second time around. Um, so what I right, so there was choices. You know, choice. I could have I could have gone on medication while I was pregnant. I could mm-hmm. wait until after um, she was born and decide if I needed medication, or I could decide to take a very low do- dose, like right when she was born. So with the depression medication I was on, which was Zoloft. It, it does need time to build. Most SSRIs need mm-hmm. some time to build in your system. Um, so I wanted to have a low dose as kind of a base so that if things started to get dark again, we could increase my dosage and it wouldn't take as long to go into effect. Mm. But I literally, it was almost like a placebo, the dosage I was on, but it was enough for me whether it was a placebo effect or it really did help sort of balance my brain and hormones enough. Um, I did not experience it with my second child. So that is, I got to experience both, which is such an interesting dichotomy, right? Of I know what healthy motherhood looks like now, and I know what unhealthy motherhood looks like. And not to say that, I would want to experience it, (laughs) the unhealthy again, but I'm in a way, for lack of a better word, grateful because Mm -hmm. I do have that insight now and I do have that empathy towards mothers that I never would have known to have Mm. if I didn't experience it. Right. So what what would you say was the most helpful thing going through this whole process? Knowing what you've been through, what was the most helpful thing in this process? Oh, gosh. I mean, the most helpful thing was therapy. Like I said, like I really, really, really think everyone should have a therapist. I think every mother should be assigned a therapist, like at the hospital. Like, okay, here's your person you're going to talk to. And, uh, and I'm... I'm not joking. <laughs> I feel like... No, therapy is good. I think there's a stigma around therapy, right? Uh, it depends oh. where you are, right? I'm originally from New yeah. York, right? I lived in Manhattan okay. for quite a while. I'm out in Colorado right now. But in New York, I mean, everybody had a therapist in the, in the city. I mean, it was almost like yeah. my husband was like, what do you mean you don't have a therapist? I'm like, I got to go get a therapist. I don't even know what I'm talking about. But I need a therapist because everyone has a therapist. <laughs> we yeah. have well checkups. Why wouldn't we have a, a therapist? while we're well like that is the point right is to keep us well we need mental health well checkups oh my gosh i think we need to like start a movement right now starting the movement (laughs) a bill about mental health well checkups and if they're not working on that right now then they should they should be i tell you if you have that then you probably are not going to get as sick either physically right and then a trained professional will know what questions to ask you and what to look for exactly (laughs) so yeah so the most helpful thing I what I heard was was your therapy yeah I think I mean yeah definitely about your book your book is awesome I'm excited to actually listen to it because it's coming out on audio so I cannot wait when does it come out on audio so I'm hoping it's going to be, you know, we had a little bit of a, a technical delay. So 
I'm still sh shooting for a June release. So I'm really hoping that it's going to be ready in June. And if it's not ready in June, stay tuned. It'll be here this summer. So. But it is But it is out and you can actually buy it. You can buy the hard copy. You can buy the hard copy and it's on Kindle. So you can get that right onto your device if you wanted to. I do love audiobooks because I love to listen to them as I like drive or clean it, yes. The big thing is cleaning because I get a little bitter, I'll be honest, with cleaning. And for some reason, if I have a book on, I'm not. Oh, I'm like, <laughs> oh, I will clean all day. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm listen to my book. Don't talk to me. I'm busy. And I'll be like dusting, which I never do. I don't dust unless I'm listening to a book. So I exactly. totally am with you. And I feel like memoirs in particular, like you want to hear the person's voice, right? Like, yes. I don't know. And you are reading it. So that is awesome. I am. Yeah. So. Because that doesn't always happen. So that's really cool. So you are actually reading your audiobooks. I'm very yeah. excited. Thank you. What is the biggest message you would like to leave for the listeners today? The biggest message I want to leave is that if you ever have found yourself thinking that babies are the worst, <laughs> you are not the only one who has thought that. You are not a monster. And you are totally normal. <laughs> like it's a really, really hard time. New motherhood. Now, whether you're new to being a mother or just new to having a child, another child, it's not, um, you can get postpartum depression, whether it's your first child or your 10th child, it doesn't make a difference. Um, basically the, the pre-existing condition for having postpartum depression is having a child. And, and, and also it can show up in um, the partner as well. Oh, um, lesser known fact. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it can show up in the partner. Um, so it's not just a hormone related thing. Mm -hmm. So I just want to let everyone know that having a baby is hard work. It's the hardest job. Um, it can be the most joyful thing and it can be the most challenging. So um, don't be afraid to admit to yourself or to others that you're having a hard time. Yes. Yes. And, 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 and you're not definitely not alone because. No, you are not alone. Things, you are not alone. It's literally the dedication in my book. You are <laughs> not alone. <laughs> and you shared so much with us already, but I'm going to ask you, because what is your favorite parenting resource? Ooh, my favorite parenting resource. I'm going to say Music Together. Ooh, yes. Do you know about Music Together? I I, I think so. It's like, like a kid's class. The, that. Yes. 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 So Tell it's, me a, about. it's an early childhood music development program um, for newborns to age five. And I actually own my own center. Um, and I teach music together. I te So I have a license to teach it. Um, and I've been teaching for like seven years now. But what I love about music together is one, it's incredibly well researched. It's really fun. You meet weekly with these families who all have kids around the same age as you. And I think that to me, like there's, there's one class in particular I like to teach, which is called the baby's class. And it's for eight months and younger. And I feel like it's this perfect marriage of my postpartum mission of, of bringing people together and having a place to go and having a place to be around other people who are in the same stage of life that you're in. And, but it's not like, oh, I'm, I'm going to a 
a therapy group, but it is kind mm-hmm. of like a therapy group. <laughs> you get to go and like be around other people and meet other yes. people. Yes, and, and get and your mom sing. tribe and sing. Yes. yes. And it's yes. fun. I, so I don't know. I love it. I yeah. did take my kids to music together when they were younger. Um, and I enjoyed those classes as well. So I, that's a great parenting resource. I love that. And they're everywhere. So like, it, it, you know, you just go to that musictogether.com and put in your zip code and you can find a center that's near you and you can play and have fun. And I don't know. I just think it's a cool resource. So. Yeah. And my heart really warms that you said that you love teaching the baby class. Yeah, because of your whole story that you told us today and the panic attack at that four month old. Yeah, baby class is the one that like you love the most. So that is such a full circle. And I'm it so really, really happy. is. It gives it gives I hope gives people hope because I, um, I love it. It's my favorite thing. It really is. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. You know, I know that your message is just helping so many women out there um, that are going through postpartum depression. So thank you for sharing your story, writing your book, and just telling other parents that they're not alone going through this. It was so helpful. And I learned just so much. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode. I'm so honored to have Megan share her personal story with us and educate us on postpartum depression. I have learned so much today and that the signs and symptoms are not always so obvious as we thought. Let's keep asking our fellow moms how they're doing. And if they need support, please come join us on our Facebook group. And don't forget to check out Megan's book, Babies Are the Worst, a memoir about motherhood, PPD and beyond. And of course, don't forget to follow Real Life Moms so you don't miss an episode.